0: Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region.
1: Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. When Rafael Mariano Grossi visited Washington last month for talks at the State Department and on Capitol Hill... The IAEA director-general devoted only part of his presentation to the questionable future of the Iran nuclear deal. North Korea and the climate crisis loomed equally large on his horizon. Perhaps that is because the Vienna-based agency's portfolio is limited to fact-finding, verification and monitoring. But that is too narrow a scope out of which to look at the Mideast regional implications, both conventional and non-conventional, of Iran's nuclear activities. To consider these implications, we're joined by Colonel and Reserve Miri Eisen, who is a co-panelist at TV7's Powers in Play, uh, as well as an Israeli public diplomacy, security, and intelligence expert at the ICT at Reichman University. Thank you for joining us. Also uh, joining us uh, is Colonel in Reserve Reuven Ben Shalom, who is also a co-panelist at TV7's Powers in Play, cross-cultural strategist and associate at the ICT as well at Reichman University. And uh, also with us is Amir Oren, our TV7 editor-in-large, at-large, host of Watchman Talk and uh, the new host of TV7 Powers in Play. Let me start by congratulating all of you for recording uh, last week and, and airing it on Friday. Uh, powers in play. It was very interesting indeed. But getting down to our topic of the day, Mr. Oren, give us a broader understanding. Where are things standing at this critical juncture in time?
0: Well, apparently um, there is yet uh, to be any real progress on these talks. We are waiting uh, any day now, any week now, for some announcement uh, regarding the resumption of the Vienna talks uh, and hopefully Um, a real rush towards uh, some uh, conclusion. But uh, while everyone uh, is waiting for that, uh, there are other events um, which uh, are concerning all of us uh, in the Middle East. And uh, we have seen recently um, a few of those. For instance, the uh, drone attack by pro-Iranian militias on the American garrison at Al-Tanf, which is uh, close to the Jordanian border and uh, tactically situated on the road between Iraq and uh, Lebanon via uh, Syria, which is, of course, uh, one of the uh, transportation uh, accesses that uh, the Iranians are using to transport precision-guided munitions to uh, Hezbollah. Uh, they have said, the uh, Iranians and their proxies, that this attack came uh, as a response to Israeli attacks uh, of uh, Iranian targets in Syria. And official Israeli sources um, last week uh, told reporters that the Iranians uh, are indeed improving their entire array of uh, surface to air missiles as well as their uh, drones in um, in Syria and um, they have managed to upgrade their entire uh, system uh, to counter that Israel not only showcased the blue flag uh, exercise with at least seven other nations seven other air forces uh, in the Israeli uh, Uh, southern half of uh, the Negev, but also uh, published details of its preparations to uh, strike at Iran if uh, the need arises.
1: Indeed, and of course with emphasis of at least, uh, we will move to the fact that the Iranian nuclear program, whether we see the the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action or the 2015 nuclear deal revitalized and revived into uh, either the same as it was back in 2015, or uh, a JCPOA plus uh, so-called, it's going to serve the Iranians either way on its regional aspirations, on its expansionist endeavors, uh, either by receiving significant amounts of money in response to limiting its nuclear program, at least what is known to the the international community at this stage, or, uh, of course, Advancement into a nuclear weapon then then grants them the umbrella to protect all of its endeavors uh, As a deterrent force to any potential strikes. How do you see this actually? um, Challenge the the process in which on the one hand Israel needs to contend with realities on the ground and and developments that uh, are impacting security of Israel both directly and indirectly and then on the same uh, note also dealing diplomatically with an international community that is seemingly prioritized in other areas of the world.
2: How do you prick that balloon? How do you do something where you both on the one hand don't allow them to get money as a reward for not going nuclear and you don't allow them to go nuclear? And all of us are looking around right now and wondering how you implement that, how you actually make the international community that can do the sanctions, the same international community that could stop them from going forward in this nuclear plan, from enabling them to go forward. And the only way at the end, I think, is in this systematic way that we're trying to do today. It is not pretty. It is not easy. It is not a, you know that golden bullet where you suddenly know the silver bullet of what's happening. You have to call them out on what they're doing. You have to show that encroachment as they're going from Iran through Iraq. And we saw the elections in Iraq, from Iraq through Syria. We all know what's going on in Syria. But to make sure that it doesn't become a given that what Iran has done over the last 10, 15 years in together with that nuclear program, playing it with one way, expansion on the other way, that it doesn't turn into, oh, we'll let them expand, but they won't go nuclear. And as I, as I say, it's very challenging, and I very much connect here to what Amir mentioned before with the seven um, air forces coming into Israel and showing that there are all sorts of forces who want to highlight this anti-Iran expansion and nuclear Meaning yes to sanctions, don't allow them to suddenly have the free reign of money coming in, and at the same time, don't let them go nuclear. It's not just United States you want to do one thing. There are opinions here that are important.
1: Indeed, Colonel Benchelo.
3: Until recently, I thought that this could drag on for a lot more for, for a long time. They're playing hard to get, right? They don't even want to go back to the talks. And they, they're holding all the cards because uh, they're not the ones that pulled out of the deal. They didn't violate the deal. The Americans did, right? So, uh, but now we see the rhetoric, at least from the Americans, saying we're at a critical moment. I'm not sure I even understand why, but they say so. Now is a critical moment. Probably what they mean by that is every day we wait. The, the Iranians learn more. You can't unlearn what you learned, right? Even if they put it on the shelf, still they, they advanced. And even 10 years down the road, they will have that advancement. So the Americans are stepping it up. Even in a way sounding like Israelis, we like to say all options are on the table. We like to push that narrative. The Americans have been saying that too now. We're going to explore diplomatic options, but also other options. Diplomatic means words. Okay, so if it's not words, what do you mean? They mean kinetic strike? Maybe. Interesting that we're getting to that point. Now, the Iranians, I think, ultimately, we're not going to change them. Those days are over, by the way. Also the superpowers? Also us. These days of saying, oh, their days are numbers, or oh, their regime may change. Uh, the Iranians are not going to change in the near future, and they're also, gonna, in general, going to achieve what they want to achieve because they're serious, right? They're innovative, they're determined, not less than us. So they will achieve many of the things they want to achieve regionally. The only things they will never achieve, if they believe us and they believe the Americans, they will never achieve nuclear weapons. Which means this is probably a card they're playing now, understanding that they will never be able to realize it because it will be war. We'll take it. We'll take it out. The Americans. Well, who knows? it will never materialize. But as it stands right now, they're playing it wise in general. Their regional footprint is growing, at least from a military standpoint, greater and greater challenges. It's not that a drone here and there is gonna challenge Israel, but yes, an array of thousands of drones and their air surface to air capabilities, greater challenges for Israel. And the fact that Israel just allocated specific funds for this means that it's not easy for us also. We have to work very hard, and this race is going to continue.
1: Indeed. Uh, with that being said, on the nuclear file, uh, we heard uh, the IAEA Director General uh, Grossi, while it being in the United States, uh, calling upon world powers to censor Iran for the first time, uh, saying that it should be done in the next Board of Governors uh, meeting, which is scheduled for the end of November. What can you tell us on that?
0: You won't be shocked uh, to hear that they are already doing so that world powers and Israel uh, did not rely on the IAEA alone to uh, monitor to uh, uh, plant sensors or um, use satellites uh, to find out what is happening at uh, either the declared or undeclared uh, sites. However, Um, What uh, Reuven uh, just said reminded me of an old folk wisdom, Jewish folk wisdom, connected uh, with a mythical figure called Herschele of Astropoli. Supposedly, uh, this was uh, a very weary traveler who, after uh, having traveled all day, got into some uh, town Uh, was very hungry, didn't have anything to eat all day long, broke into some house, found the family at dinner, and told them, if you are not inviting me to have dinner with you, I am going to do what my father did in a similar situation. So they were uh, quite afraid of what he could do, invited him to dinner, and once it was over, were very curious to find out what his father was doing in a similar situation. And then he said, went to bed hungry. If diplomacy doesn't work, we'll try some more diplomacy. The uh, Biden administration has so much on its plate, domestically now with the infrastructure bill. And in foreign affairs, Taiwan seems like the big question, China in general. But apparently Taiwan as a potential crisis. They don't have a lot of time and patience to deal with Iran now. So those Israelis who hope that if the Iranians don't go back to the uh, nuclear talks, which the previous government was against anyway, um, cannot expect the Biden administration to do the bidding.
1: So we cannot rely on the Biden administration to uh, at least provide certain backing or the tools necessary to uh, ensure the security of the State of Israel at this stage?
2: Isn't it odd that when in 2015-16 when the United States left this nuclear um, pact, okay. Um, we had a lot of voices inside Israel because we were very much against it. I mean, I think that Amir and I had enough to talk about at the time that it had its good parts, its bad parts. But it wasn't the type of agreement that we said, oh, that's exactly what we wanted. And yet here we are right now going, oh, no, the United States isn't going to go back. And I'm just, so what about you can't do something else? It's the Iranians get to define what's happening and they get to um, expand, et cetera. There are many forces right now within the Middle East with voices who are, are, are having these voices heard, who are standing up in their own way, okay? Iraq, in its own way, is kind of standing up a bit against their Iranian neighbor. The Gulf countries, much more so in that way. Certainly Saudi Arabia. And this type of regional... Um, going against Iran in general. Maybe that's one of the ways to pressure it more. Um, I'm not optimistic, but I don't think that we should allow the Iranians this win-win, that they don't give up, don't give up, don't give up, meaning they do what we said. You know, they go in and they say, and everybody says, oh, well, we have no choice. We need to find a situation where it's clear-cut that the Iranians cannot encroach, cannot send in the weapons they are doing so, cannot support the way they're doing so without having any kind of implications. It just can't work.
1: With that being said, there is another school of thought that uh, mentions Israel and Iran participating in the, the strategic competition or the great power competition with the United States, of course, being Israel's backer, China being Iran's backer, and there is an ongoing struggle between two nations on a regional scale, uh, something that uh, the chief of directorate uh, who holds the Iran file in the IDF, Tal Kelman, has highlighted on several occasions, including at the ICT conference, with regard to specifically an ongoing struggle between Israel and Iran within that context.
3: I don't think I would see it as if uh, the Americans back us and the Chinese back uh, Iran. I don't see it that way at all. I think the Chinese philosophy even doesn't doesn't, uh, justify this wording. Certainly we are strategically aligned with the United States. The United States has our back This of course never means that they're going to strike Iran when we say hey uh, Do it for that's and remember that in the past when we had an emerging nuclear threat. We took it out on our on our own Uh, Certainly twice twice, but
0: the second time uh, in uh, cahoots with the Americans all coordinated it with Bush. Always,
3: and by the way, always, and whenever you'll hear an Israeli say, we will defend ourselves by ourselves, I will add, with American planes and American munitions and American diplomacy. So it's not exactly by ourselves. But again, to, to bottom line, take care of a threat, that's the way I see it. We are always strategically aligned with the United States. China is a different story. China has interests, regional interests. They promote these interests, and it's it's less a matter for them of, you know, being friends with or supporting Uh, Bottom line, they are assisting Iran in a way, you know, buying oil from Iran. So in in, in a way, in violation of what uh, the United States would want. But I don't think China wants a nuclear Iran. And also the the ramifications of a nuclear Iran will be be horrible for the entire Middle East, even for Iran. You think Iran wants to acquire a nuclear weapon knowing now that all these other players are going to want it for themselves? You think that's good for you? I don't think Iran wants to have a nuclear weapon from that perspective. They want it, I think, as far as, again, a bargaining chip now and scaring all of us and and exerting this pressure on us. But, you know, bottom line, do they want to have a bomb tomorrow morning? Good question. Uh, You could even ask When they have the bomb, will they press the button? That's another good question. Remember, Israeli philosophy is we can never, never, ever, never allow that, of course, because that's a threat we can't assume.
1: I think we should ask some of those analogies, uh, at least with the North Koreans, can provide some perspective. Oh, yes. And I'm not saying,
3: I said before, they will never have a nuclear weapon. I mean, again, look at our history. Look at our resolve. There are things that are red lines. We're not going to let that happen. I'm just trying to understand how these powers are going to play out in the long
2: run. I'm worried in that sense, that with the analogy that we spoke about right now, that the United States of America said that North Korea would never have a weapon, and yet it seems that North Korea has one, um, and, I, and I wonder about ourselves in that sense. We have had a lot of rhetoric over the last 30 years about the acquisition of nuclear weapons by anybody else within the Middle East. Israel very clearly states that we will not be the first to introduce nuclear weapons into um, the world in general, and I love that terminology, to introduce. Um, And I always like the joke that says we also won't be the second. And having said that, because in that sense, when we look at it, Um, we don't look at ourselves the same way because you introduced that aspect of, as they said at ICT, of Israel and Iran. According to the international media, according to the international perception, Israel is a nuclear force. Israel does not say so itself. We do not call to destroy anybody. We don't ever talk about it at all in that sense. As I said, we won't be the first to introduce. That's not just a play of words even in 2021. And when I look at that aspect of what Iran does, it's not just about the nuclear. And I do see that connection there, that that export of trying to destabilize country after country, both within the Middle East and further, makes it very challenging.
1: But as an intelligence officer most of your life, to what degree can one guarantee that Iran is not already in pursuit of that stage? And uh, we've seen plenty of flaws over the years of the intelligence community not being able to decipher. uh, And of course, we can take uh, the example of Libya where the asserted European country came and told us about it, or even some secret nuclear installations in Iran, which some European countries came and told us about it. So,
2: I want to be straightforward in this sense. I think that the State of Israel has put the Iranian nuclear issue as a top issue. We were not looking at Libya, and guess what? We didn't see what was happening there. I absolutely think that in intelligence, if you're not looking for something, you will not see it. And we are looking, that doesn't make the job easy, but we are looking and we are threatened and we see this as a top priority and not just the Prime Minister of Israel now and the Prime Minister before that and the Prime Minister before that. The Iranian nuclear issue is top in that line of what the intelligence needs to gather. That doesn't mean we have the capacity and capability to attack it. It does mean that I think that we have quite a good idea of what's going on, we at least try to do so. Um, and within that world, that as I say, I worry over that game where, at the end, the Iranians are as if in a win-win situation. And that really disturbs me because that's about perception. That's about the marketplace. That's not about what they actually have.
1: Indeed. And uh, if I may uh, introduce some layman's logic. When we're looking at uh, the Iranian nuclear file, we've heard on several occasions, of course, and this is a theory that has been um, highlighted on several occasions by a former commander of yours, General uh, Brigadier General Yossi in, uh Retired or reserved uh, when we're talking specifically about Iranian nuclear aspirations Is it possible that they are advancing additional installations in let's say Syria where it has a significant foothold or alternately in uh, the Republic of North Korea?
0: Yes, and they uh, may uh, even get it uh, from Pakistan if uh, for some uh, By some contingency, the current uh, uh, government in uh, Pakistan implodes and uh, nuclear warheads uh, start leaking uh, everywhere. But let me challenge um, this dogma. Um, And yes, nuclear proliferation in the Middle East uh, is going to be very negative. Turkey, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, the uh, UAE, uh, many others would like to have one. For Israel, whatever Israel has is an insurance. It is not to be uh, used under any but the most dire circumstances. But even, let's say that tomorrow uh, we are surprised by an announcement in Tehran that they do have nuclear weapons, plural. Not only one, as Ruben mentioned, because a single bomb would not do them any good, but they do have... Several, and they even have a second strike capability. That even if Israel strikes them, they still have something in which, through which to strike Israel. So what? The old think tank or game theory um, uh, dogma uh, or paradigm that once you have a nuclear weapon, you are going to paralyze the other guy's moves. Uh, ostensibly if uh, Iran wants to uh, have Hezbollah or Hamas strike Israel Israel will be powerless to respond because Iran would be nuclear this is not our experience uh, for the last uh, 70 years or so the With United- that
1: being said it will have the freedom to maneuver free No no throughout it, it will
0: no I, I I'm not uh, uh, thinking that this is I'm not I don't belong to that uh, school of thinking The United States and the Soviet Union had many thousands of weapons. They or their proxies fought in Korea, in Vietnam, and in many other minor conflicts. India and Pakistan have nuclear weapons. They still clash in Kashmir without going nuclear. Now, this is not to say that the authorities in Tehran are rational, are to be relied upon to to avoid uh, what would really be national suicide? But it doesn't mean that the sky will be falling once they have nuclear weapons Colonel Ben
3: No, the only thing I I wouldn't allow that to happen. The only thing I would say if and when something like that happens, of course, we'll deal with it uh, But I think also learning from the American experience of analyzing and, and think tanks and simulations for years for decades about nuclear weapons It's tricky. Remember they tried to think can we use tactical weapons and what does that mean? It always comes to a dead end I don't think we can allow ourselves, even in thought right now, to say, okay, they can have it and they won't use it. As far as intelligence, uh, maybe in the past it was sensitive to discuss this, right, the the depth of penetration of intelligence, but I listened to our leaders. Previous uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu kept saying over and over again that our intelligence capabilities are so great that we know everything, we see everything, and even the things that we've been doing, if you have Mossad agents walking downtown Tehran and picking up stuff, and mysterious things are happening all over the place some of it attributed to israel sometimes we uh, you know we may imagine that it's us and sometimes maybe it sounds uh, too crazy but um, but i think that we are now in a time where our intelligence capabilities are such that very few things can escape us certainly there could be a surprise you mentioned, you mentioned some strategic stuff from over you know from abroad that could happen but i think Even the IAEA is still in the picture. Remember, they're not ousted. We have a general understanding of what's happening now. We, in general, know what's going on. So we know where we stand. It's not like we're going to wake up tomorrow morning with an arsenal of nuclear weapons. But
0: but having said that, and I agree, of course, um, as long ago as the late 1980s, there were groups in Israel within the system who uh, had uh, been thinking very deeply and broadly about uh, the scenario of an enemy, Iraq, Iran, someone else, uh, announcing that uh, it had nuclear weapons. It won't be the end for Israel.
1: Indeed. Well, we're drawing near to the end of the program, and I'd like to give each and every one of you at least a, a closing statement and an analysis for the near future. Colonel Eisen, bless you, first of all. And <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we'll start with you.
2: Um, I'm going to start with something totally different and just add in. We've looked at this from the outside in. But I think that sometimes we don't look enough at Iran inside. This nuclear quest has cost Iran. It has cost the next generation. It has decimated this country. And, And I wonder what that will do. At the end, you can do it oh so long. We saw the same thing in North Korea. And at the end, you want to hope. It's not about democracy, but you want to hope that they will change that, that they realize what this has done to them
1: you are a bit pessimistic for a change. I think
3: that what's happening all around us, from the nuclear capabilities to the precision munitions and the air defense systems, I think it's coming to a point where miscalculation could lead to war. Certainly a war with one of our proxies or an entire arena, maybe even all-out confrontation with Iran. Look at this. Historically, things like this can happen. It, we, it's under the radar. Things are happening. We call it the campaign between the wars. Uh, mysteriously attributing to Israel, but this could lead to, to a miscalculation and war.
0: But the Iranians are, of course, Muslim. Of course, they are Shiite. But deep down, they are Persians. And the Persian... Not all of them. No, no, of course, 50% Persian, uh, one quarter of the nation Azeri and another quarter. But the Persians rule Persia which changed uh, its name to Iran in the 1930s. They are a very proud people with thousands of years of history. They don't want to go down the drain, but they are also a nation of traders, not warriors, traders. They want to have their nuclear card in order to trade it for something which will be even more valuable for them, which is why we are all hopeful that the bazaar will eventually yield an agreement.
1: With that being said, if we really look at the big picture, the uh, P5 plus one is eager to have the JCPOA revived. And it seems like it's not necessarily going to provide the outcome that everybody is interested in, uh, regardless of if talks are there or not. But
0: there you have the uh, making of a deal.
1: Indeed. Well, uh, this is all the time that we have for today. So I'd like to thank Colonel Eisen, Colonel Ben Shalom, and Mr. Oren for being part of today's panel. I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time.
0: Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.